everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a How I Got Here version of the podcast with Jose Castillo, who is an MC and entertainment captain at many racetracks around the country. You may see him up on the video board at SMI Tracks. You may see him on the NASCAR Trackside Live stage where he's the co-host. And you may see him out and about trying to keep it spicy, which is his catchphrase. His Twitter name is at ThinkJose. And let's find out how Jose Castillo got to be where he is today. All right, everybody, I'm here with Jose Castillo. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. He keeps it spicy. First of all, why do you say keep it spicy? Yeah, it started years ago when I got a little habanero light bulb over my head uh-huh. as this logo. And I just, I love spicy food, first of all. Uh, but my friends were always like, Jose, you're always coming up with spicy ideas and everything. So I just started doing spicy, you know. And I love that. <laughs> your, your expression is, uh, your it's your catchphrase. And uh, yeah, I, every time I see you, I'm like, yes, he keeps it spicy. <laughs> That's the plan. That's yes. the plan. Um, but so, uh, Jose, uh, you know, people are probably familiar with you from seeing you um, at the trackside stage and um, on the screens at a lot of these SMI tracks. What, what is your role right now in the NASCAR world? So I'm a host for NASCAR Trackside Live, which we brought back last year. So we're going on a year and a half of that. And then for the last 12 years have been a host and MC up on the big screen at a lot of the SMI tracks. So started at Bristol and then uh, went to Charlotte and then have done Kentucky and Las Vegas and Sonoma. So have been up on the screen being a interviewer and my job is to help the fans have fun, which is why sometimes I go by entertainment captain, which I kind of like. It's a good role. I like entertainment captain. Yeah. That's a very good job description. Um, so, uh, obviously this probably wasn't on your radar when you were growing up or something to be an entertainment captain, I'm going to assume. <laughs> um, so how, how did this all start off for you? Tell us about, uh, where you grew up and things like that. So I've, it's funny you say that it wasn't on my radar, but looking back, I'm like, this is totally what I've done my whole life. Huh? Uh, I remember as a little kid, I would walk out in front of the plate glass window. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. You know, my family's originally, my dad was from Mexico. My mom was from Florida. I was born in Philly, but grew up in the South. So I've lived in Tennessee pretty much my whole life. It's where I grew up. And so in Knoxville, I would come out in front of the big plate glass window in front of the dinner table and I would fall over and make jokes. And, you know, I've always wanted to be on stage and help people laugh. Like that's my job. My job, if I can make people have a good time and help them uh, enjoy themselves, then I'm doing what I love. And so it, it kind of progressed from there. I gave my senior high commencement speech to 5,000 people and I I gave this talk and I remember it like it was yesterday and at the end of the talk I was like, wow, I may have inspired somebody to do something through this talk and I really like this, this is what I wanna do. And somehow Hmm. I figured out a way to to do jobs that involve that. So what, you know, you get out of high school and and you have this realization, Um, sounds good, but uh, getting people to <laughs> gather and listen is, is a whole different story. What was your, oh, what was your next step? It, it's hard. It's hard. And people, you know, cause a lot of people see somebody up on stage or up on a screen and they're like, I want to be that person. So there's a lot of people that want to do that. Right. Um, I think there are some people that go through the hard, you know, and work hard route, which is somehow I managed to do that route. Other people, it's the, 
you know, you become famous overnight. And I think a lot of those people maybe don't necessarily deal with it. Well, <laughs> um, I think I have a lot of respect for the folks that work hard at it over a long period of time. So I went to Barry college for a very brief, glorious semester and did stand up comedy. So I was the opener guy. I would walk up on stage and kind of warm up the crowd and then introduce the comedian who came out. Wow. And that for me was a job where I was like, okay, I could see, I, I can't be a stand up comedian cause that you just, that's such a hard job to just bury your soul every night. But I like this idea of being an MC, a master of ceremony. Somebody, uh -huh. the spotlight's not on me. My job is to help other people have a good time, to help the event go well, to help the experience happen. So I think for me, it's not about having the spotlight. It's about making sure the event, the experience goes well and the people are having a good time. Huh. Interesting. So uh, tell me like how, how nervous were you when you, started out doing this kind of stuff. I mean, cause okay, like let's say I'm going to get up on stage now or any of us are going to do a public speaking thing. Um, you know, as, as you know, I, I might be confident, you know, going into it, but then once you're faced with a crowd, you, you I sort of get the butterflies or something like that. Um, obviously you, you've been doing this probably long enough now where it, it's normal for you. Um, so how did it evolve over the years to where you're comfortable enough to be in your, in your position, you know? I think there are some people that are born with a natural ability to feel comfortable in front of a crowd. Um, and Jerry Seinfeld said it best where he was like, you know, there's two type, you know, the number one fear in the United States is of standing on a stage in front of a group of people. The number two is dying. So people are <laughs> at a funeral. They would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Like that's how most people view public speaking, you yeah. know, a microphone in front of a crowd. And I think for me, it was always a very natural, do I still get nervous? Sure. Yeah. There's times when I get butterflies or whatever, but I think there's, it's how you look at it. I think a lot of people look at it and they go, okay, I'm nervous. Or they can say I'm excited. Mm. And guess what? It's the same thing. Mm. Excitement is the positive side of looking at it, of going, what's going to happen. Something could happen, something cool, something bad. I could fudge a line. I could, you know, we could have a great moment, but I'm excited about it. And other people, they look at it kind of the negative way and they go, oh, I'm nervous. What happens if we screw up? What happens if we fail? And so I think positive people that look at it that way are more, you know, more likely to get up on the stage and be like, this is exciting. We're going to do something fun. So after college, um, how, what was your first step in, in sort of the real world, I guess? <laughs> so I've had a lot of different jobs over the years. Fortunately, both uh, my dad, grandfather, um, and even on my wife's side of the family are all entrepreneurs. People uh -huh. have all worked for themselves. So it was very hard for me to hold down a steady job working for somebody else. That makes uh, sense. And so I always looked at things of how can I push out on my own and try things. And man, I had a lot of failures. I ran a commercial recording studio for a while uh, that didn't do well. Um, I tried to do a speaking career very early on and I had no, you know, no base to start on to do speaking. And, you know, that didn't go well. Um, and, and eventually through all that landed on a blog. It was thinkjose.com. And I started this blog. Uh, this was maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago or so and started doing some public speaking and some videos, recording videos with people and being the MC, like the man on the street. Okay. Uh, and that was really kind of my first like, Oh, okay. I could get paid to hold a microphone and then talk to people. Um, and so that, it started being successful enough where you were, um, making someone of a living off it. No, oh. I was not even close to making a living. Oh, off okay. it. it was just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I could do this. Oh, this is oh, something gotcha, I could gotcha. do. I gotcha. Uh, it was really, it was 12 years ago when Bristol motor speedway 
They called me. I knew a couple friends there and they said, Jose, we're going to do something a little different. They were really the first track, I think, to do social media right and to do engagement with the fans right. And they said, we're going to make our screen something for the fans. It's not going to, we're not just going to show country music videos and we're not just going to, you know, um, show commercials. We want our fans to be up on the screen. So they said, Jose, would you come out to the track and interview? And I'd been to one NASCAR race before then. Wow. And I liked it, but it was just kind of one of those things on the side. I was like, ah, it's cool, you know, um, but I had no idea what I was doing. So they said, Jose, you come in, we'll give you somebody and you go out in the campgrounds and just film people, hang out with them and we'll make them the stars up on the screen. Huh? And I was like, heck yeah, I'm in. So I showed up to my first race 12 years ago, at Bristol Motor Speedway. They had a camera crew, producer, director, and they're like, all right, here you go. Go have fun. I'm like, all right, let's go. And so we jumped on a golf cart, went out on the campground. We started cooking with people, hanging out with them, showing them, partying, having a good time, playing games with them up in the stands. And we filmed a lot of it. We did some of it live, and we started putting that up on the screen. And people loved it. And people love seeing themselves up on the screen. Yeah. That's why we have dance cam. That's why we have kiss cam. That's why we you know, show crowd shots. People love seeing themselves up there because it makes it part of the experience. So that was my job was to come in and help those fans uh, be part of the experience. So were you essentially using some of your experience, um, whether it's the stand-up comedy stuff or the speaking stuff you've done or the, the blog, Man on the Street stuff, all that sort of, without the, you know, quote-unquote training, that you're just using that and being thrown into it and you're just saying, okay, I, I'm just going to make this work. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it was the fact that we had no budget. We had no script. We had no, you know, there was some guide guidelines, but it was really, you know, Bristol was so great about saying, Jose, we trust you to just go have fun with our fans and make great content and tell stories. And, and it grew from there and we started seeing other tracks going, Hey, wait a minute, there's a guy up here helping fans have a good time. Can he come to our track and help mm. us? And, and so it really it started to grow from that, but it was about taking all of those things that I had done up until that time and using them as part of that experience to help the fans have a good time. And you're right. It was, it was kind of like, Oh Yeah. I learned this game over here doing this. You know, we're going to play this little game with these fans mm -hmm. or you know what? It's okay to be relaxed and realize you're going to say a wrong word. And yeah, we're live on the screen, but there's only 150,000 people here. You know, <laughs> that's not a big deal. Yeah. No kidding. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. I see you before some of these races and you know, your face is up there, your likeness up there. Uh, you know, your, your words right before a huge race starts and you know, you're, you have them in the palm of your hand, but it's like, man, that'd make me, I don't know. It seems like a lot of pressure, but so you, you mentioned that other tracks saw what you were doing and, and wanted to sort of be part of this. So did they have to like, because you're part of the SMI family, was it easy for, for you to go sort of out on loan some of these other tracks or did they have to come to Bristol and ask permission or like, how does that work? Well, here's the deal is it, Bristol is always my home track. Like that's where I started. That's mm -hmm. and that for me, um, they gave me the opportunity to be where I am today. Um, and for a long time, I didn't actively seek other tracks. I was like, you know, Bristol is special and unique and I want to stay a part of that. Uh, and, and there came a point where I was like, you know, I could do this as a career. Like at that point I was still doing marketing work. I was still doing other things and mm -hmm. running my business. And, and I was like, but you know what, this is an opportunity that I feel like if I don't step into, I'm going to miss it. Um, and so it was really a combination of everybody. It was the SMI basically, I'm a contractor. I work direct, I work for myself, but the tracks hire me or, you know, NASCAR productions hire me, whoever it is. And so 
I had gotten enough, you know, kind of calls and people saying, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try this and see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so definitely stepped out, but also saying, I want to respect the people that brought me to the dance and, you know, and we've been able to work through that. And so far it's been really good because here's the deal is all the SMI tracks, they show each other love on social media. They're helping each other out. It's really one big family. Mm -hmm. And so it's been fun to be a part of that. And even NASCAR on the bigger scale is this big family of people. I've never worked in something like this where everybody knows each other. If for the most part, everybody's really like, come on, we want to help make each other better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something cool. That's part of the reason why I love doing it. And so uh, you mentioned a year and a half ago, I think now um, is when the trackside live stage started back up. Um, it's still at, at the SMI tracks, I think. Uh, and, and you're hoping to uh, eventually expand maybe to, to all the tracks. How did that, start up i mean i'm sure that didn't just pop out of nowhere um and you know are, are you pleased with how it's been going so far since it restarted first of all it's been amazing and i'm super humbled that i got asked to be a part of it like when they asked me i'm like really are you sure you guys want me to come and they're like yeah we think you'd be a great thing for the fans and and i wanted to make sure that it was something that was going to be a good fit and that the fans were going to have a good time so when they asked me i was like yes and so far it's been amazing response um you know the this idea of bringing back nascar trackside live was it's funny because it was like four or five people organizations ideas coming to the same realization at the same time Mm -hmm. there were people actively inside nascar productions who had said hey jose we're going to pitch this idea for a show then there was Marcus Smith and SMI going, hey, we need to give more to the fans beside the track. Mm-hmm. There was NASCAR going, hey, we need to do more for the fans beside the track and do these experiences. Um, and so all that kind of came together at the right moment where they're like, you know what? We're going to try it. Hmm. And, and it really was the ignition of Marcus Smith saying, okay, I'm going to step out and push this and let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so last year we launched it at Bristol was kind of our inaugural show. And it, it was a little weathery and there was some other things, but it was a great show. We had, you know, Goldberg up on, on the stage, throwing stuff through a tire with his son and, and the fans were up there playing games with the drivers and celebrities and guests, which that doesn't ever happen. And so mm-hmm. we we're like, we keep making these little moments happen where the fans go, wow. And we're going to win the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had a couple sponsors come on board and we're looking already at, you know, th- how this can grow and go to other tracks. Uh, and we're excited. I think it's awesome. So um, when when you're up there, um, you know, what's what's the, the interaction with the drivers like? Like, have you been around long enough now so that you feel like you're, you're seeing these guys and and they know you and you're getting to know them a little bit um, aside from that or like when you're up there, are you, are they, you know, just interacting with you like a, a host? Like how does that, how does the relationship with those guys work? Cause you, I feel like you're able to draw a lot out of them when you're up on the stage. I don't know if it's just your personality on the spot or cause of relationships you have, like how, how do you do it? it it's a combination of things. So one is, and this is a note for anybody who wants to get into this is do your homework on questions. Okay. And you do a great job of that, Jeff. And I know a lot of other reporters in sport do too, of really digging in and finding out what's going on in their lives, what's unique, et cetera. The, the second thing is, is I've been in this sport long enough, but I'm not at every race every weekend. So when we started, you know, this, there were a couple of drivers that were kind of like, okay, I think I know you have seen you, but you know, but now doing the show for a year now it's like, high-fiving some drivers saying hi you know Mm -hmm. talking to each other at other events um you know on social media etc and so i think there's a comfort level from the drivers going okay 
this is not a journalism show. This is not a, Hey, we're going to get you with questions. This is just a chance to go have fun and play some games. And, and even some repeat drivers like Ty Dillon coming back on and being like, man, I'm really looking forward to whatever game we're going to play. Or Kyle Larson being like, dude, I've won every game I've been on the show. I want to win this game. (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah. So they're, I think they're responding really well to it as well. So let's say there's somebody out here listening and they're like, man, Jose has a freaking cool job. (laughs) Um, I would love to be the next Jose, or I'd love to be on the stage with these drivers, you know, trying to bring the personality side out to the fans or having fun interacting with the fans. Um, What advice would you give for people that want to try to break into the industry? We live in a time right now that is unprecedented for the amount of content and stories that you can tell with very little equipment, with very little money, um, with very little access. So if you want to do this, take out your phone right now and turn it around and hit the record button and start telling stories and start giving your opinion and start, you know, capturing things that are unique and different. And, uh, you know, I think on the one side, anybody can do this. They really can. Does it take a special personality or a special, you know, some gifts born in to help make it better? Yes, for sure. Um, but I genuinely believe that we live in a day and age where anybody can create their own show. Anybody can create their own content and push it out there. Um, the, the other side of that is that it's got to be unique. It's got to be something different and it's got to be from the heart. People know if you're trying too hard hmm. and if you're not having a good time, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, if you're trying to push it or you're trying to make it into something it isn't, they're going to see right through it. Um, so I, I, I'll encourage people, if you want to go watch this video, I'm not going to tell the whole story right now, but there's a video I did a TEDx talk called the wheelbarrow story. Just go Google, you know, Jose, uh, Ted wheelbarrow and you'll find it on YouTube, but it's a story. My dad told me about how you can have fun doing anything and so much fun that it's infectious that other people want to come have fun with you. And that's what I think is why people gravitate uh, to myself and to other people like that is because we're having fun. The secret is we're just having a good time. So if you're enjoying what you're doing, then turn the camera around and help other people have a good time and enjoy it together. And you're going to be successful. Well, let me ask a follow-up before we, we close out here. Um, because you know, it, you're, every time I see you, you're, you're always smiling. You always have this energy, you know, you're, you're super, super positive. Um, there's a lot of times when, you know, the world's not so positive or, you know, maybe you wake up and you're tired or something. And, you know, so how do you, and, and you, like, like you said, a key is to not force it and not try to be something you're not. Where does the energy and the positive attitude come from? What advice would you give to me or other people who sometimes you just feel like, ah, oh, I just don't have it that day. I wish I had the energy yeah. and felt more positive, but I don't like what, how would you, uh, how would you answer that? Well, first off, I have bad days. I have, you call my wife and daughters up right now and I guarantee they'll tell you a time when I have not smiled, et cetera. So I am not perfect and, and nobody is. Um, but I think there's a joy that comes from wanting to help others genuinely. If you look at the people who want to serve other people, um, and who are genuine about doing that, there's a joy, there's a fun there that even if they're having a bad day, it still kind of shines through. Um, and my mom was always like, you know what, if you're having a bad day, go help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're not having a bad day cause you're helping somebody else and you're focusing on serving somebody else and helping them have a good time. And you start to forget about your own problems. Um, so I think that moment we get into, oh man, this sucks. Woe is me, whatever. Find somebody else 
and help them out. It's that simple. And I think you'll find joy and, and you'll find excitement in seeing other people, you know, have a, have a smile on their face. Well, cool. That's, that's a really great answer. And, um, appreciate you not only shedding some light on your career path, but also giving us sort of like a little bit of a pep talk to help us out in life. So (laughs) thank you so much, Jose, for doing this. It's my pleasure, Jeff. And I love hearing these interviews and, you know, if you've not had a chance, if you listen to this or you read this and you've not had a chance to talk to Jeff personally, um, he's the real deal and it is because it comes from a passion side. Uh, so find out what you're passionate about, man, and go in that direction and you'll love it. Thank you. appreciate that. All right, everybody, there you have it. Really, really enjoyed that one. I felt uh, motivated and energized after talking to Jose. Super cool guy. Really glad that he is part of NASCAR because I think that uh, that kind of perspective that he brings to the world is very much needed. And I, I just really uh, enjoy enjoy talking to people like that. Coming up on the next episode of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast, it will be a post-race podcast from Watkins Glen International planning to do that after the race Sunday night. Will we see some rain, perhaps? Rain tires? I'd I'd be interested in that. Don't know if it'll happen, but it's a possibility, so stay tuned for that. And then on Tuesday, it's going to be a 12 questions with Ross Chastain, who has been doing quite well for himself this year. Always seems to be able to elevate his equipment and getting a lot of positive attention for that, so wanted to include him in the 12 questions as well. Truly appreciate all of your feedback for these If you are on iTunes and you have some time to leave a rating and review, that would be very helpful. But either way, appreciate all the support. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.